Good morning. We're continuing this series called Breathe Deep. I've been amazed how many times recently I've been paying attention to people's breathing. My breathing, shallow breathing, deep breathing, even panting as I come running in here a minute ago. Or the breathing of other people and then thinking about, God, that's what you have for us. Let us inhale the love of Christ. Let us express our gratitude to you, but also express our sins and transgressions. I was in one of my morning devotionals the other day. I was reading the Word of God, and I was over in Psalm 150. And I believe it's verse 6. It says, everything that has breath, let it praise the Lord. Amen. Everything that has breath. And last time I checked, I've been walking up and down. Y'all are breathing? Okay. We're alive in here. We're not in the morgue. And that means we should praise God on Sunday morning. We should praise God on Tuesday afternoon, Thursday night, every day, 24-7. He is to be magnified because he is a king who is worthy of his subjects. Amen. Just put your hands together and give him praise. Praise him with your hands. Clap your hands to the Lord. Bless the Lord. Amen. Yeah, somebody's like, yeah, I needed that. Like earlier service, people were like, man, we're freezing. Like, you ain't freezing in here. I just go ahead and tell you, get on these lights. It ain't cold, okay? Well, this morning, we want to talk about amending our relationships. Really, the subject is forgiveness. Um, what I've learned is that I'll speak usually about once a year, at least, on this subject of forgiveness. I will teach and preach on prayer four, five, six times a year because it's my heart. Um, and then I teach on that every Monday morning. If you ever want to join us, man, at 645 right here in the prayer room. But forgiveness is one of those subjects that we constantly need to be reminded of our need to receive it and to express it. Um, so this morning we're going to be looking at different passages in the Word of God. And I'm going to trust that God is going to speak into your spirit because we've been talking about coming clean. Last weekend we talked about examination. God, do divine surgery on us. Come and examine our hearts. And Lord, draw near as we draw near to you. But you know, sometimes it's just hard to get right. Like we wish that there was a pill, there was some info commercial, that there was some gadget, something we could buy, we could drink, we could take, and we could just do well. Well, I am known as the pastor of props, and I got a few props today. There's some pills that help us for various things, and one of them here is Tums. Can I just ask a question? I'm doing a survey today. Do these things work? Okay, well, I don't think they do. Anyway, somebody like, hey, yeah, that's all right. You've been getting paid by this? Okay, anyway, so, so Tums. I don't know about this. Now, here's one. I know this one works. Pepto-Bismol, baby. You know what? Get you a little Pepto. Now, you know, I've been kind of thinking about this stuff. Uh, who came up with this color? Had to be a woman. I mean, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You're just going. But this stuff, I know it works. But this next one, some people in the house need to repent. Because this next drug of choice that I'm going to reveal, uh, this is when it's used, when kids are sick. But when you go on a long trip and you don't want to be irritated by their constant questions, you give them a little bit of this and the trip is much nicer. Brother, you just named it. There it is. Benadryl said it all. You know what I'm saying? This is a little tip from the pastor. If you want to have your trip to be much more pleasant, give them a little bit of this. Somebody's going to pick me up from the FDA this afternoon. I'm like, man, I can't believe you're peddling drugs. But you know, think about this thing called forgiveness. There's not a pill we can take to make us nicer to forgive or receive forgiveness. What I've learned is that sometimes we need to forgive ourselves. I've had more people come to me today and say, you know, man, that message really spoke to my heart, but I can't forgive myself. Oh, yeah, you can. You need to. It's, a, it's an insult to holy God if you don't forgive yourself. 
but then we need to forgive one another. So we're going we're gonna to launch into this today and talk about the spirit of forgiveness, how somehow we can amend and make right our relationship one with the other. Now, as I'm thinking about this subject, I'm hoping that our hearts will be drawn because we forgive because we've first been forgiven. I don't know about you, but I've been forgiven a lot, and so have you. If you are in the category you don't think you've done very much or you haven't sinned very much, you're really full of yourself and pride and pious, and you need to come clean with a holy God. For we all have sinned and fall short of his glory because somehow between what we believe and how we behave, they contradict, and God wants them to intersect. Our beliefs, our understanding, our attention to Scripture. But somehow that intersects my life that my behavior matches Scripture. And that's the strive of a Christ follower. Look at the top of your handout there, message truth. It says simply these words. We must release the person or we resemble the person. Forgiveness is that liberating choice and responsibility for all of us. See, forgiveness from the heart, forgiveness because Christ forgives us, liberates the soul. It sets us afire. It sets us free. But if we don't release that person that has trespassed, if we don't release that person that's indebted to us, we begin to resemble that sin. And God wants to set us free today. In Colossians, the Apostle Paul speaking, Colossians 3.13, you might want to just turn over there quickly, but it says these words, Be gentle and ready to forgive, never holding grudges. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you also must forgive one another. Man, an admonition that we've been forgiven in a great way, in a mighty way, a marvelous way. And we have to express and pass that along. In Romans 2, verse 4, it says, But God's kindness will lead you and I toward repentance. And repentance is we're walking this way. We see the error of our sin, our sin against the majesty of heaven. We turn from sin and we follow Christ in a new direction. And the kindness of God will lead us. Not to sorrow, but to repentance, to godly sorrow, to repentance in him. I like this. We never have to forgive someone as much as God forgives you and me. You're saying, what? We never have to forgive another as much as the Father has forgiven us. And every time I speak on this and begin to study this subject from the Word of God and begin to be illuminated by the Holy Spirit, I'm reminded how sinful I am and you are and humanity is and our great need for forgiveness. I think it's the great need for today. Forgiveness. Forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness toward one another. Forgiveness uh, of ourselves. And in the, in the Greek, there's a word, ephema. And in that word, it means to send away, to put apart to put away an offense a transgression an offense has come on to you against you and you nurse it you hold on to that grudge and the apostle paul's already said don't never hold grudges release that person release them from the bondages that you're trying to hold on to and and i'm just glad and i'm just thinking maybe you are i'm glad that god doesn't play fair how about you <laughs> Because like I don't want to release sometimes, and you don't want to release sometimes. And God says, but if you want to be forgiven, you've got to forgive others. In Psalm 103, verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions and our sins from us. That is the good news of grace. God takes sin, he covers it by the blood of Jesus, and he removes and takes that so far out of our life. 
Because the east, as far as the east is from the west, it just continues to go and go so apart from one another. In Jeremiah 31, 34, he says, For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. Hallelujah, church! God says, I forgive, but I don't just forgive. I forget. Now, we do not seem to walk in the capacity of humanness that we forget. We owe how we remember. We're not careful. We'll keep a record. First Corinthians chapter 13 says love keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, we'll put it in a book and we'll hold on to our accounts and then we'll go back and we get mad again because remember when we were mad two months ago or two years ago and God says, but I keep no record of wrongs when you confess and you repent and you make it right with me. Listen to the New Testament, Hebrews 10, 17. I will remember their sins no more. Oh, praise God. God says, when it gets under my blood, when you get right in right fellowship with me, I'll wipe it away. I've used the illustration before. You get that etch-a-sketch and you shake it, and man, it gets shaken out. But you know, I'm learning that people don't like to forgive each other sometimes, and we certainly don't want to forgive ourselves. And God says, I want you to. But to understand forgiveness, you've got to understand what total forgiveness is not. And let me hold up a, a book today to supplement. The greatest book is the Word of God. Amen? That's the greatest text I've found for any of life. Any principles, rules, commandments, precepts, that is God's holy, infallible word. But I love to read. I have a lot of books. I constantly buy books. I'm constantly studying. And uh, this is a book I got a couple years ago. It's one of the greatest writings I've ever found on the subject. I think it's the greatest subject I've ever read, uh, book I've ever read on this subject. His name's R.T. Kendall. He's a great British theologian. He's a good friend with Jack Taylor. We had Jack Taylor here a number of years, and Jack and him travel around the world, and it's called Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. Some of you need to dig a little deeper into this study that I'm trying to hit at various levels today, and I think it might begin to release. So just want to hold up a resource to you, but let me tell you what forgiveness is not. It's not approval of what the other person did. It's not just acceptance and say, oh, I approve what you did. I, I can accept that. See, because you see, in John chapter 8, Jesus says he forgives the adulterous woman. She's, she's guilty of sin. And in John 8, 11, it says, has no one condemned you? This is Jesus. No one, sir, she said, and neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. But now, but now, I love that, but now in scripture, but now go and leave your life of sin. Woman. I will die for your sin. You are wicked. You are sinful. You are depraved. You've missed it. But woman, I do not condemn you, so now do not go and practice, participate, partner with, dive into, become your character, live in this sin any longer. Depart from it. Jesus Christ gives those same words today with a clarity of Scripture, with a clarity of the Spirit He speaks I don't approve. Secondly, what forgiveness is not. It's not excusing what the other did. The other wrongs you. They, they went against you, and you don't excuse them. You, uh, sometimes we want to, oh, you know, they're not that bad, and we want to cover up for their sins. Well, that's not for forgiveness. Sin is sin, and you don't make an excuse for the sinner, for the behavior. You just call it what it is. Um, this week, Friday, the biggest worthy news in the world or in our nation wasn't the Olympics. It was Tiger Woods, did an interview, coming clean, and he made some strong declarations because I listened intently. I was listening theologically because that's the way my brain's trained. He took some responsibility, did some really good things I thought were good. 
And then my heart broke when he said, I left my religion as a child to be a Buddhist, and I will now follow. And I said, oh, he's a dead God. There's no power in Buddha, but there's great power in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So my prayer is, is that Tiger is going to come to know Jesus Christ, and he's going to overcome the sin patterns of his life that's destructed. Amen? You need to love golf like, oh, Pastor, would you pray that every day? I wish we'd pray that for all the laws. 316, you remember your alarm? Hey, can I tell you something real funny? This is so good. Last week, I encouraged you to set your alarm for 316, for God so loved the world, and we would pray for the lost. Pastor had a long weekend, Friday, Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday, preached my heart out, had done some things. Finally, at 3 o'clock, I got still. At 3.07, I fell asleep. Because The reason I know 3.07 is the last time I saw the clock. 3.16 p.m. Sunday afternoon, I was awakened by my alarm. How many of you got woken up too? And I almost cursed myself. And I said, I'm the one that put this on the body. But this week, it's been the coolest thing. 3.16, my clock's been going off. I was on the phone the other day, and it went off. Somebody said, hey, pastor, alarm's going off. It's time to pray. Isn't that awesome? So here it is. So you begin to say, it's not approval of what they did. It's not excusing what they did. The third thing is, it's not justifying what they did. Evil can't be justified. Oh, but we'll always justify our sin because I'm amazed I'm this way, and I find everybody I meet is this way. I never like other people's sin, but my sin's okay. And I'll justify mine, and I'll listen to you, and you can justify your sin with the best of my. I get in circles of communication. It's just amazing how it's just not that bad because I did it. But yours is hard. The fourth thing is feeling. Total forgiveness is not a feeling. You don't feel like it. I don't know about you. I don't feel. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like doing a lot of stuff. And how many times do you ever get the feeling to go forgive somebody? But it's the right thing. It's the, it's the true thing. We need goodness and we need mercy and we need to, and we realize from scripture, we reap what we sow. And if we sow forgiveness, we tend to reap and receive great forgiveness. But if we begin to sow the action of unforgiveness, we tend to receive that from the father, but also from other people. Um, I like this statement in Christ though, in Christ alone, we find our identity. I will share this truth with you this morning. In Jesus Christ, it is a positional theological truth. The book of Philippians talks all about in Christ, in Christ, he knew he, who he was in the Messiah. And every time I am threatened, and I want to encourage you, every time you're threatened or the enemy comes to the fort or something happens in your life, I want you to remember who you are in Jesus, who Jesus Christ says you are, that you're chosen, that you're dearly loved, that you're accepted in the beloved. And on and on, we can just go through the character of God and what Christ says about you, that is truth. And you accept that position and you just align with Holy Scripture and you go, God, I'm not feeling it. But you say, I am forgiven in Christ. And you begin to walk out the truths of Scripture. The fifth thing is, total forgiveness is not reconciliation. Some people teach, oh, if, if you're forgiven, if it's forgiveness, it's reconciliation. It is not. Now, let me tell you what the Scripture does says. The Bible says in Corinthians, we are ministers of reconciliation. And I have strived to be a minister of reconciliation in marriages and many things all my life. Don and I, we do that together. And many of you do that, and we're all called as Christ followers to be ambassadors of reconciliation. And the church said, but let me tell you the truth about forgiveness. Some people won't forgive you. And as well as you've made it right with God and you've tried to make it right with them, then you leave it with them and you walk on in faith. And the church said, you're saying, but 
We're not reconciled. You might not be reconciled. I, I just don't, I think it's an unscriptural teaching to go, oh, if I only get forgiveness, if I get reconciled. And some things people just don't reconcile in this life. I don't know why, but it doesn't. Six, denying what they did. Total forgiveness is not denying that there was sin, that there was a, a brokenness there. I mean, you don't deny it. You go, hey, I was wrong. You were wrong. I wronged you. You wronged me. Hey, let's get on with it. But sometimes it does. But I, here's bonus material. When we don't forgive, there's five things that happen. When we don't forgive, when there's unforgiveness operating in your heart and mind, here's the five things. Number one, you can't stand to be around certain people. You, you just don't want to be around them. When you come, when you get in their presence, your blood pressure elevates. You get nauseated. You, you want to just, you, you just don't enjoy the company of one another. So there's some unforgiveness operating. Secondly, you want to strike out at people when certain subjects are discussed. And you're saying, physically? Well, you could. Or you strike out verbally and you assault them. So secondly, you just, you strike out. The third thing is you lose your temper over little bitty insignificant things that had nothing to do with what's going on. Happens in marriage all the time. Doesn't it? You know, little, little things erupt and like, what? I put the toilet tissue on wrong. Hey, I squeeze a toothpaste at the wrong end of the tube. Like, is that really a crime? Well, it's really, that's not the issue. The issue is this, but that just bugged me. So I thought I'd let you know. All right, here's the fourth one. You struggle with guilt over things that happened in your past. Unforgiveness always results in that because Satan comes up and he's the accuser of the brethren and there's these things of the past and that, that guilt just begins to destroy you and eat at you and didn't need to be. And the fifth thing is you find yourselves hating the ones you should love the most. You just hate them. You despise them. You, you, yeah, you put them out. And that's unforgiveness. And God's like, that's not for me. But let's flip the coin. What's forgiveness? Forgiveness has a very healthy, holistic perspective it has a redemptive nature to it and here it is number one forgiveness is man's deepest need and god's highest achievement that's just a quote it's 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 our deepest need but it's god's ultimate achievement at the cross at the cross god achieved forgiveness once and for all let's look at one forgiveness is a command forgiveness is a command it's an imperative it's not a mere suggestion. It's the command from the heavenly throne of God. In Matthew, turn there with me. In Matthew, turn to the sixth chapter of Matthew. It's a great passage. In the sixth chapter of Matthew, if you'll look down at verse 14, you'll find these words in Scripture. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That is wonderful news of grace. But in verse 15, he says this, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Uh-oh. Now, we're not in here to debate eternal security and salvation, and I believe you're secure in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? But I think you can get out of fellowship real quick. How about it, Doc? You can get out of fellowship so quick, it's unreal. And he says, God doesn't forgive. It's like, you get it wrong with your child... Y'all don't have fellowship. You know, like, they're not your best friend. You don't want to hang out together. They don't want to hang out with you. You don't want to hang out with them. Well, God's like, man, I just long to have pure, unadulterated fellowship with us. And when you're not forgiving one another, you're blocking the communication of heaven and earth. So as he looks here, it's a command. It's intentional. It's hard. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience, but it is to his glory to the glory of man to overlook an offense. 
God gets worth. God gets elevated when you and I overlook and truly forgive. But secondly, forgiveness has no limit. It forgives over and over and over. And I know that because Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 22 says, But Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Oh, not seven times, but 70 times, seven, 77 times. He's like, man, you forgive in an infinite number. You forgive and you forgive because it's the nature of God. Oh, God, so you forgive me. And let me ask you this. I'm glad that we have an unlimited, uh, all-powerful, all-loving, all-conquering king. And I don't know if you've done this. Have you ever confessed the sin more than once in a day, the same one? More than this once the same sin in an hour. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And God doesn't go, heaven's closed, not here. Because if we get our heart right with him, we really are looking in repentance and we're looking to Christ to forgive us. God says there's no limits. I, I forgive that sin. And third is forgiveness. Is it a volitional act? Volitional is basically you've made a choice. You have determined not to do something. You've determined to do something. And this volitional act is, as an act of my will, as an act of your will, you choose to forgive, just as you choose to love, just as you choose to encourage, you choose to uh, support, you choose to forgive. Um, I, I read an illustration, talks about the kid, says, holding on to the bitterness of the past hurts like one knowing how to ride a bicycle without knowing how to stop it. You continue to pedal on and on and on, afraid to stop, unable to stop, but desperately hoping that someone will pull the brakes and get you off the bicycle. Hello. That's the way sin is. Man, you just get on that cycle and you just go and go and go. You're like, man, somebody help me. And I think Christ comes near and he says, I want to help you. I want to forgive you. I want to, I want to clean you. But it's a choice. The, the volitional act is you, you cancel the debt. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debtors. As we forgive those who have sinned against us. Uh, I think I read it in the Lord's Prayer. How about you? God, forgive us. God, help us to dispense forgiveness. Forgiveness breaks the blame or the cycle of blame. And it somehow loosens the stranglehold of guilt. I meet people all the time that are suffering from guilt. And they're, they're being pigeonholed. And they're being strangled. And the, and the life is draining out of them. And Christ is saying, come near, come near. Let me forgive you. And fourthly, forgiveness is a foundational principle to Christian living. You, you say you're a Christ follower. You say, I love God. Then you forgive. You express forgiveness. You're saying, well, there has to be a divine moment. You're right now. You have to draw near to him in faith. And he draws near to us. And the moment that you and I begin to learn to practice forgiveness, we're free. There's a moment of clarity and as that clarity comes, the liberating power of forgiveness begins to rise up in us. And my message, my hope, my, my prayer, my thought today is, God, could you liberate us as the people of God? Could you liberate us as people of faith that somehow forgiveness becomes our character and we forgive and then we're forgiven by you? Oh, God, do that again and again. See, forgiveness makes no sense unless you're a forgiving person unless you've been forgiven by christ it makes no sense in the natural in the flesh but in the spirit realm it makes all the sense because you align vertically spiritually union with christ i love what andy stanley said he says at the cross 
we lost our excuse not to forgive. If you say you're in Christ this morning at the cross where you received eternal redemption, salvation, if you received that blood, that payment for your sin, then you have no right not to forgive anymore. And the body of believers said, you said, well, okay, then you mean I got to forgive? You got to forgive. We've got to move on this journey and say, Lord, I trust you. And the fifth thing is good. It is for our good. When we forgive, we're healthier. There's so many studies, New England magazines of medicine, and on and on, they've linked diabetes and cancer and heart disease and and a myriad of diseases and ailments and psychological disorders and on and on for people that walk in unforgiveness. I, I read one study years ago that said if people would deal with this unforgiveness, hospitals would begin to clear out. Hallelujah. You're like, now I'm not saying walk up to somebody and go, are you in sin? Is that why you're dying? Are you in sin? Is that why you got cancer? I've met those people. I don't even care to be around those people. You know what I'm saying? I, I met this person one time. They went, well, if you just had enough faith, if you weren't living in sin, you wouldn't be sick. Now, I understand there are consequences to our sin, and we do bring on some death sentences on ourselves. But just to walk around saying that to everybody, I'm like, that's real sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. But you release and you go, God, I place my sin, I place my guilt in the hands of the Almighty. Without forgiveness, so you and I drown in the ocean of regret and anger and pain and bitterness. And Lord, if I ignore the pain, I don't progress. It's like um, if, if you hurt your foot and it gets infected and it begins to swell, you pay attention to it. Let's do an Olympic illustration. I love the Olympics. We, Don and I, have been celebrating the Olympics. I, I hope it, you know, it'll go off in a few weeks. And but, but we're enjoying it, and the the pride of our country. And go USA! You just get all. I mean, I get up and 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 I'm amazing. I become an expert. I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm a snow skier, but I want a very good snow skier. And I go, oh, look at that form. How they hit the gate. And in and, and, and sports, I don't even know anything about. I tell them what they did bad after I listen to the commentators for a couple hours. And I'm amazed how many of us are experts. But the one um, that I've really enjoyed is Lindsay, the great downhill skier that was going to win all the medals. And she has one too. But she had that big injury. And she wasn't able to ski. And then through some extra time, she's been able to heal and ski pretty well. But she had to pay attention to the what? To the injury. Here's what I'm saying to us spiritually. We have to pay attention to the Spirit. And when there's unforgiveness residing in us, we infect, we swell up. And God wants to make the church whole. He wants to make the body of Christ, the individuals, strong. So I want you to write down this this thought. When we choose to forgive, we're free. But if we don't choose to forgive, we cut off the flow of grace into our life. And I'm afraid that the flow of grace has been cut off from some people. I love grace. The greatest writing, or one of the best writings that I've found in recent 10 years, is a man named Philip Yancey. What's so amazing about grace? See, he got some grace. He understands grace. My question for you and me is, are we grace-oriented as a fellowship? Are we grace-oriented as believers? As we, are we grace-oriented in the way we do life? See, grace, when, when grace hits you, when grace overwhelms you, when grace comes into your life, you're just not the same. Because you've been redeemed by grace. You're kept by grace. You walk out in grace. 
But you know, there's this ever slow thing that happens and if we don't, aren't careful, we'll drift into legalism so quick and we'll drift off into a pattern that'll destroy anything. Grace. Oh God, help us to forgive. But I want to give some quick thoughts and something as I was finishing up my study. Um, I love Rick Warren. I've read him and have actually been with him out in California when we first started the church. He wrote a great book called The Purpose Driven Church. It, it helped me to shape Christ's community and begin this work in 96. But then he wrote The Purpose Driven Life that he made $9 zillion on. But here, here's the book. That, uh, but here's a couple of thoughts I want you to hear. Number one, write it down somewhere. Just write it on your worship guide. You want to hear this. God forgives instantly. I love that. God doesn't put it off. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't delay when we come to him in faith and repentance. He forgives. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked leave their way of life and change their way of thinking. Let them turn to the Lord our God. He is merciful and he is quick to forgive. Amen. I'm glad God is quick to forgive. But we're not. In the moment we ask without delay, he forgives. And the second thing is God forgives repeatedly. Over and over and over in grace as we come, as we come confessionally, as we come repentant, God wipes, cleanses, forgives. And, and Nehemiah 9:17 says, You are a God of forgiveness, always ready. Oh, I love that. To pardon, gracious, merciful, and full of love, God. God wants to pardon you and me this morning. He wants to pardon us tomorrow afternoon and next Tuesday and next Saturday evening when we sin against heaven, when we sin against another. He's quick to forgive, but he, he forgives repeatedly, keeps short accounts. And the third thing is he forgives freely. Now, when I say free, grace is not free. Grace costs Christ everything, cost him his life. But listen to Romans 3, 23 and 24. All of us have sinned, yet God declares us not guilty of offending him if we trust in Jesus Christ who freely takes away our sin. Oh, Jesus, you take away our sin. But the fourth thing, I want you to hear this is good. He forgives completely. He's not a partial God that he could only forgive a little bit or part of your sin, but he can wipe the whole thing clean. He cleanses the heart from within the sinfulness, the wicked state that it is. And in the Phillips translation, this is one of the early translations of scriptures in the last 25 years. I think, you know, next to the, you know, all the different mainline uh, interpretations we have. And then we had the Living Bible, which is a paraphrase. And then we had this J.B. Phillips New Testament translation. I remember when I got, I had my first copy. It's a green paperback back on my shelf. I, I love this. And here's what Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 and 14 says. And I read from different translations because, because our language is not exact. Do you know that? The Greek and the Hebrew is an exact language, but our, our language, it leaves a lot to be desired. And then some of us can't even speak it very well anyway. But listen to what Colossians 2 13 and 14 says. He has forgiven all your sins. He has utterly wiped out the evidence of the broken commandments which have always hung over our heads, and he has completely annulled it by nailing it to the cross. Can you bless the Lord for that? Isn't that good news? So Christ forgives completely. Oh God, how we stand in need of that. But I want to give you a quick practical tip today. I don't know where you're going to write this down, but this could be the most practical thing I'm going to share that could set your life free. Pull out a legal pad this afternoon or this week or sometime. Get under the heaven, the spotlight of heaven and ask God to search your heart. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, last week's message. Go back and listen. 
And I want you to ask God, God, is there any unforgiveness in my heart? And if the Holy Spirit gives you a name, only do it one at a time. Keep short accounts and it won't take so long. But if you hadn't done this before, it could take you days, okay? But sit down and just write out the name of the person you need to forgive. And as you write their name on there, I want you to do some things. Number one, describe what they said about you to your face or behind your back, but write out the activity. Just write it out. Real practical. Secondly, write out what was taken from you your reputation, your friendship, whatever, just begin to describe what had happened there. You write what was taken. Uh, The thing that is an obsession, just write it down. Third thing, define how you felt when you were wronged, when you were offended. Just write that out to the Lord. And then the fourth thing, this is the most important. Get a red pen. And decide in your heart once and for all to forgive the person. And write across all this stuff you've written, forgiven. And then under it, write 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then I want you to do the most powerful thing. I want you to take that sheet And I want you to hold it up to Jesus and say, Jesus, cover this sin and forgive my sin and my unforgiveness and crumple it and go over and drop it in a wastebasket. And remember your sin no more. For those that Christ forgive are forgiven. And as Christ forgives me, as Christ forgives you, forgive one another from the heart Lord I trust that right now maybe there's guilt and shame but we don't have to be called about that anymore I remember George Meyer said one time God does not call you by your shame but by your name oh I love that quote God you don't call us by our shame anymore if we're right with Christ you call us by our name C.S. Lewis says everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have someone to forgive. Wow. Practicing grace. Unforgiveness keeps you and I from loving very deeply. We know we must. We know we should. But if we know God, we have to. He's the source of forgiveness. And I'm going to close with this passage today. If you have a copy of the scriptures, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 32, and this is God's word for me and for you. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Lord, do that in us today that sit under the word of God. May that authority flow from our life and may we be free from this day forward. Forgiven, free, my child. Let's pray. Father, I trust by grace you're wiping across the room and you're covering people by the blood even now. I pray for believers that are in Christ that they would somehow get rid of unforgiveness and do this exercise and walk in holiness. I pray for the one that's never responded to Jesus, never received the love of Christ, never received forgiveness and payment for their sin, that today they would cry out in humility and say, Lord Jesus, save me. Oh, Lord, save me a sinner. Cleanse me from my sin and guilt.
and make me your child. Cover me by your blood. Be my Lord, my master. I surrender now, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the idea of forgiveness. I thank you for the concept. I thank you for the love of Jesus that lived it out. May we follow you hard, Jesus, until you come again. In the name of Christ, amen. Well, this morning.